Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Lee Carlo with Chapin Hemingway, my Sonny Crockett to the Ricardo Tubbs that I'm filling in for here. That's right, we're discussing Michael Mann's 2006 adaptation of his own TV series, Miami Vice, starring Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx in the lead roles. Chapin, this is a movie that has always, I'm not going to get into my question yet. I know we got a little intro, but this is a movie that kind of has always been on the periphery. It's always a movie that like we've sort of discussed. I don't know that we really know how much, how we feel about it. So we're going to spend some time to reveal our cards and talk about this movie, not only from when it came out, when we first saw it, but also where it stands now, uh, our opinions of it, kind of where it stands in the consciousness of the movie world. And um, if we have time at the end, I'm curious to hear what you thought of Shyamalan's newest film, Old. Um, But we'll see if we can get to that. You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now. Chapin. So this was released in 2006. It was Michael Mann's follow-up to Collateral, which is a movie that we all absolutely love. And I think really until we got to this movie, Michael Mann was just at the top of our list of directors. Hitting it out of the park. You know, we loved everything he did. We couldn't wait for his next movies, and even after this, I think we still had a really fond admiration for his work. Um, I think it was officially Public Enemies that really started to make us question whether he still had it. Um, <laughs> and then Black Hat, which I still have yet to see. It's on HBO Max right now, so you should follow check it out. Up that. Um, so, you know, Michael Mann hasn't worked in a long time, and I think Miami Vice still started the downward trend for him for a lot of people. I think it was met with somewhat mixed reviews. I know a lot of that had to do with, or I, I should say I think a lot of that had to do with how dissimilar it was to his own TV series. Now, we're a little young um, for the Miami Vice TV series. I don't know if you've ever watched it. You know, it's obviously been in syndication and... I'm sure it's on a streaming service somewhere. I've never seen an episode of it. I uh, My understanding is it's a little more campy, a little bit more humorous, um, maybe even, well, while stylized, definitely not as artistic as man's movie. So taking that out of the equation, you know, maybe people's bias, what do you think it was about this movie in 2006 that started to make people question Michael Mann and whether or not he still had it. It's a very, um, hmm. it's a great question. It's a very, um, untraditional movie in the way that it's made. Um, obviously it's got the digital photography that I think he just pushes to the limit here. Um, he takes it to the limit, you know, one more time, one more time after, yep. um, after okay. how many times you say that? <laughs> After How many times collateral? do we quote this movie and look, like, throughout? He he does it in collateral in such a groundbreaking way, and it's extraordinary, and there's a real purpose to it that's obvious. Like we want to see into the night. This is a movie that takes place at night, and LA has a certain look at night. And you and I know by driving around delivering shit to people 
in yeah. the wee hours of the Los Angeles because they needed twilight. it. They needed as it right soon as away. they woke up in the morning. Um, that LA has a distinct look, um, but he used the same camera and really pushed the boundaries of what it could do um, on Miami Vice. And so it starts out like it looks. It looks in in some ways it looks bad. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I don't agree with Compared that. Compared to what but, you're used to with, yeah, with you know, film. big overhead lighting to right. to light up Colin Farrell's face and get a background. Yeah, Exactly. And he's got these movie stars, but they're kind of like muttering and you can't really understand what they're saying. And, and you know, everybody was expecting this. I, I don't think, you know, a, a, a true Michael Mann fan was expecting it to be Miami Vice 2.0. But, you know, like what what can he do here? Like what 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 is this movie going to be? Now that Michael Mann is this t- serious filmmaker and he's adapting this television show, um, I think it's a little like what bugs me about the movie. Just to get my cards on the table is how kind of I feel like it's Michael Mann showing off how much he knows about this world that we're that he's showing us. Um, you know, we threw around a bunch of acronyms. <laughs> in our texts today, like what's your QTH and uh, you know <laughs> yeah. shit like that. Um, and some- yeah, Jamie Foxx gives like the the um, acronyms for for federal agencies like ten different times right, in this movie. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, like I don't know, I find that stuff kind of silly. And I I've told you about Michael Mann's the photos of him walking around set with this like enormous binder of research, and you know, like I think. I don't know. Sometimes that adds authenticity, but sometimes it just seems silly. And like, if, if no one knows what QTH means, does it really land? I don't know. But, um, also I just think sometimes great movies can be misunderstood, right? Like they, uh, this was released in the, in I think July, like almost exactly 15 years ago. Cause it's the 15th, 15 year anniversary anniversary. And, uh, it was a big summer blockbuster with two movie, you know, pretty like movie stars on the rise. And it was this sort of art house movie slash, you know, I don't know, experimental film. Mm -hmm. And people didn't like that. So there's a ton of stories about this production. Um, You know, you can believe that whichever ones you'd like, you know, some that have been verified are just kind of the insane locations, you know, Coincidentally, Jeremy's not with us today because he is in the midst of doing insane location work on his current movie, from what I understand, and is just too busy. But, but it's not, nothing not like in compared this, to this, yeah. <laughs> where they were in all these different, you know, Central American countries. Somebody was shot. And someone was shot in the Dominican yeah. Republic, which forced Jamie Foxx to just like leave the set and refuse to go back to the Dominican Republic. And evidently that forced Michael Mann to rewrite the ending of the movie. So that's just a little bit of the drama that goes into it, but it's it's par for the course for Michael Mann. It's stuff that we're used to. It's stuff that I think we like, but I wonder if, while obviously studios got tired of it, if, if critics and people started wondering, you know, <laughs> how valuable his $150 million was, like, oh, com- could he have completely, saved some money completely. and made a better movie if he just shot it all in Miami and shot, you know... I mean, he used, like, some other country for Cuba, obviously. He couldn't have used something else for Colombia or something else for Panama or whatever. Like, he just right. could have reined it in a little bit and well, focused what I think a little bit more on the story. I love the mid-aughts. That is a, could be a downfall of this movie. I love the mid-aughts universal executive who's like, oh, yeah, we we got we have a chance to, re- to do a Miami Vice movie. We have to do this. Um, who, 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 do you, who do you want to direct this? Well, you know, Michael Mann worked on the show. Yeah, let's do that. And then it's like, did, did you watch his last movies? <laughs> like, this is not the guy who's going to give you that like What's... poppy remake that you want. You know, that's going to make three hundred million dollars worldwide. It's just like. But also, I I wish I had it on hand because I want to make this point. I'm going to pull it up real quick. He his previous movie Collateral, which is you know two guys driving around L.A. in a cab for a single night, was. A sixty-five million dollar movie, right? With the biggest you know, star co- in the world in it. College students make that movie, yeah. <laughs> for for a hundred and fifty dollars on a weekend, <laughs> like so. They also probably knew that whatever he was going to do with this movie was going to cost a lot of money, and but but you know, it's unlikely not, to make it back. Which but it's it, not. It didn't. It's not only that. Like there are. I mean, and, and I wish Jeremy was here for this because, like, uh, there's got to be a point where, like, 
you're like, <laughs> I bet they're like, okay. <laughs> so I guess we're going to, we'll, it's Michael Mann. We'll probably have to shoot Miami for Miami here. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we're taking this whole crew to Uruguay yeah. to like film in this barrio, you know, where, and why do we need to do this? Yeah. It's so little of the time is actually spent in Miami. Right. I'm, I'm picturing the fit Michael Mann threw when they told him he couldn't actually go to Cuba. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's move on because, um, you know, you made a point that I, I want to get into. And this is going to move a little bit more into what we think about this movie now. You know, you said a lot of times great movies are misunderstood. And that's absolutely true. I did not like Miami Vice when it first came out. I probably had not seen it for about... 13 or 14 years until I yeah I guess probably 14 years I think I watched it you know at the beginning of the pandemic for the first time maybe since you know around 2006 2007 and and my reaction was just like wow this is much better than I remembered and I think it was good that I watched it that that time because it actually allowed me to be a little bit less surprised by its qualities this time around and I can be a little bit more critical of certain things but I think there are so many good things that are being done in this movie that if you take away whatever expectations there were, whatever the bias towards the TV show, whatever nonsense Michael Mann was doing with the money, like this is a like incredibly artistic achievement. Yes. And can I um read This is also such a fucking cool movie. I like mean, it's fucking awesome. It is, it is fucking so cool. Awesome. I'm going to read you Manola Dargis's uh, she had her top, you know, top movies of t- 2006, and this. She says Michael Mann doesn't always receive the critical respect he deserves, partly because he likes to make genre films. Maybe if he had hired Jack Nicholson to run around with Crockett and Tubbs, he might have at least seduced the audience. Glorious entertainment. Miami Vice is a gorgeous, shimmering object, and it made me think more about how new technologies are irre- irrevocably changing our sense of what movies look like that, than any film I've seen this year. Partly shot using a Viper film stream camera, the film shows us a world that seems to stretch on forever, without the standard sense of graphical perspective. When Crockett and Tubbs stand on a Miami roof, it's as if the world were visible in its entirety, as if all our familiar time and space coordinates have dropped away because they have. Well, but the thing is that, like, so when that sh- that shot on the roof, like, it looks kind of shitty, but it looks amazing. Right. Like, it, exactly. This, exactly. It looks, the, the look of this movie is so effective. And the colors and the pastels and the neons and yeah. everything, like, are just so effective for creating this world that the grainy background almost just makes it a little bit more realistic. Like, you just kind of feel like you're right in there with them. A lot of handheld work with the camera. Like... Even the mumbling, which intentional or not, and as difficult as this movie is to watch without the subtitles, I tried for about two minutes. Like, it's still, uh, like, it's it's kind of what you said. It's like Michael Mann is so obsessed with the authenticity, doesn't really care if anybody understands or knows what's happening in the movie. Like, these guys aren't going to enunciate for the audience's pleasure. Right. They're, they're talking to each other. They're talking on the phone. They're going to behave the way that they behave. And I think that's like the art that is in this movie and that I can appreciate now, you know, three times through, maybe four in my lifetime, I I think I know what this movie's about. <laughs> Doesn't really totally matter. It's a little bit messy in terms of the, sure. the story. Um, the, I think the, the pl- uh, well, I should say, I think like the plot makes sense, but doesn't really make sense being in the movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, like, I understand what's happening, but, like, why is it happening? Why is it there? Why are we watching it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing I can probably probably be most critical about with this movie. And I know there were, man was doing a lot of rewrites and things like that, so that could be reasons for that. But I don't know. I You know, if, if you want to just paint a broad picture, it's the fucking coolest movie of the 2000s, maybe. It's so awesome to watch. And, and you know, had <laughs> had we moved to Miami after college instead of LA we probably would have followed in the footsteps of this behavior instead of entourage yeah you know which we obviously did yeah but we would have like worn suits like this we would have talked like this we would have stood on rooftops we would have said things yeah the cars the go fast boats for sure all of that right so that's okay so that's what's interesting right like so man has all these things that I think were pivotal to the to the tv show which is you know you've got the guys in the ferrari 
why are these cops driving around in a Ferrari? Nobody <laughs> I was knows. thinking the same thing. Um, I wanted to look up. I'm like, what do vice cops make? Right, right. Because but I mean, I think, I think the idea is that they're under deep cover, so they have to right. w- drive these cars. But even like, would, and they've drug, got a payroll. Sm- would drug smugglers want to no, appear so flashy drug, either? Not drug smugglers, drug transpo guys. Right, transpo, <laughs> transpo. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're driving the Ferrari. They've got these... <laughs> They've got these uh, go fast boats, cigarette boats that are fucking awesome, and they're pl- flying around in these carbon composite planes. Yeah, and and the aerial photography is incredible, but like it's almost superfluous to like what man wants to do. Like he wants to show you this little plane, um, you know, cruising around. I mean, I think he's more interested in clouds, to be quite frank. Than he clouds, is clouds. The, clouds like breast breast fill up with milk, uh, but uh, <laughs> clouds, goddammit. <laughs> but I think he's more interested in the way the clouds look than showing you how cool these planes are. I mean, there you definitely get that right. There's that shot where they're like over the Everglades or something, and they're just cruising. It's just incredible photography, and they're doing it for real. There's another shot in that same sequence, I think, where it looks like the camera is just on top of Mount Kilimanjaro panning over with mm-hmm. the plane at, at at altitude. How did they do that? I don't know how they did that. But it's all real. It's all done for real, which is why I'm sure it costs an arm and a leg. But it's not... They also built. I learned they built those go fast boats so that they could put the cameras where they wanted oh, them really? and everything. Instead of just using a boat and putting a camera on it, like right. every I'm, other movie I'm not ever sure made. Why you can't do that, but <laughs> so it's but but like so it's it isn't gratuitous because he's it like he's it's it's there for it's there for a reason. But like I mean that sequence where Gong Li and Colin Farrell go to Havana from from Cuba, from from Miami. It's like I mean. What is that scene about? Like, it's awesome because they're crossing a channel in a boat, but it's not. It's more about these like two international people. One of these guys is like a, you know, a good old American boy, you know, like sort of fell into this job. And this other is this exotic woman who's from, you know, two different cultures and they're they're going from one you know, country to another country in a boat and neither of these countries have relations and how are they going to get in? I mean, it's amazing. And it's like, they don't even really talk about it. They're, he buckles her in. Yeah. They don't talk about the fact that, and I looked this up that, that Havana is 228 miles away from Miami by boat. And those boats go fast, but you know, it's still going to take a couple hours to get there. A couple hours. Yeah. On a (laughs) a boat. 85 miles an hour on the way. (laughs) Yeah, and then they stay up all night drinking, right? So, but that that scene where they go to Cuba is a perfect way to like get a little bit more serious about like some of the problems with this movie because, like, the 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 plot of this movie is that these two cops go undercover. Essentially, they find out they find out that there's a leak um, that got an informant of theirs killed, right? And so they go undercover as drug transpo guys to kind of co- get connected to the people involved in this drug trade. There's some Aryan Brotherhood members. There's obviously some Colombian drug dealers. And they go undercover to basically find out where this leak came from. Right. And, you know, there's a, several scenes of dialogue and all these things that connecting the story. And it, it for the most part, it makes sense. But there's so many things as this movie starts to go along where in in a lesser made movie in a less in, in a less artistically made movie would just make this movie crumble and you know the most obvious one is why they go to cuba this relationship between well she's Colin Farrell and gong lee and but their relationship them going there just doesn't have enough to do with the rest of the movie and look I, michael mann's biggest weak spot i think has got to be Women, the, the female love interest, yeah. like yes. it, even in movies where it kind of works, like Heat, you know, it still isn't the best part. And like, you know, the the stuff with Jada Pinkett Smith and Collateral seems sometimes a little forced. Like, there's just it's just not a strong suit of his. And I think this I, is honestly, another think it example works of best that. in this movie, though. And you it, do? Yeah, I do because 
I think it's. I just don't buy them. They don't really, I, ha- really have good chemistry. I think it's central to the plot. I, I, you're probably right. I mean, Gong Li didn't speak English when she made this movie, and like she's saying all her lines phonetically. I think she's a yeah, great actress, but makes it weird casting because it's a, of that, it's, though. it's a little weird. Um, but I think they're good together. I, I think their romance is interesting. It's like, you know, what happens if you fall in love in these situations, and and like that seems like a very typical plot that you would imagine happens in a in a movie but the way michael mann does it here you know it's just about these like two souls colliding in this weird way you know and amongst these like amongst these like you know international drug escapades and um i don't know i've always found that to be interesting uh there is this there is the typical michael mann theme of like you know duty and job defining right. who you are and 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 ruining relationships which this one like by definition does <laughs> right well and i love movies and this movie does so much of it like i love you know the the under the deep undercover characters i love the characters in too deep to get out like there's this conversation or this inference that that gong lee's character isabella you know she's in too deep she can't leave she can't go anywhere like you know, um, uh, what's the what's the main drug? Jesus, Archangel, name? Jesus Montoya. Archangel, yeah, Mon- <laughs> Archangel Jesus Montoya, and or Jose Yero will find her. And I like that stuff. Like I like those moral and complicated internal dilemmas. Those are cool. They make for good movies. They make for good characters. I just I I didn't they, there wasn't chemistry between Colin Farrell and. Gongli, I didn't think, and I don't think that was a fault of either of their performances. I do think that the language barrier was tough. I just think that that was strange casting. You know, there wasn't really any all that much chemistry between Jamie Foxx and Naomi Harris either, but they weren't given as much opportunity. Just a really long, extraneous sex scene. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I you know that whole trip to Cuba, I got the point, but it just seemed like it was a different movie. Like you, you left Miami and now all of a sudden you're not telling the story of this, you know, undercover op anymore. Now you're telling this story about these two and her, you know, how she got there, her relationship with, you know, these people and how she can get out and how she, you know, all that stuff. It just doesn't seem to work. And, you know, Colin Farrell just kind of brooding over it doesn't seem to work. Where this movie is so successful is, kind of in the procedural, like them putting the pieces together, them going right. from this step to this step to this step, even if they don't go anywhere. this <laughs> they, they do this cool thing that you see in a lot of movies where they say, all right, you know, tell, tell the DEA it's going to be Monday. Tell the FBI it's Tuesday. Tell the CIA it's Wednesday or whatever. And, you know, it turns out that they find out the leak comes from the FBI. Then, they, that, then nothing happens with that. Right. Right. That is gone from the movie. So is it? It was was it Mance Raider all along? The guy, the FBI agent, was he the one that was no? Because he, he's, he's local FBI, right? But we it doesn't get resolved. So it's like this, and maybe that was the the finale that was supposed to take place in the Dominican before someone got shot. But yeah. the point is that like the story continues to just go nowhere. But this movie is successful because when it finds its way back on track, it's so fucking cool. And like, it's fun to watch these guys kind of piece it all together and follow it and see where they're getting. And then like, you know, figuring out, you know, that they got to go rescue Naomi Harris. And they just do that with such efficiency. It's so awesome. Like that's the stuff you want to watch with this movie. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Like it just keeps like, going nowhere it's interesting because you know going back to his first movie like this is very much what thief is like i haven't seen thief still it's really good it's on hbo max you should watch it so it's it's it's, i mean it's all about like the plot is kind of i mean it's important like you know but it's not anything super different than you know he guy wants to do one last job that type of thing but it's the way man like films him figuring this out and like the type of character he is. I mean, they even have, they even recycle like the time is luck line. I mean, that's like an every Michael Mann right. movie, but um, yeah. Uh, Heat around the corner. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing, but it's just like, yeah, it's just the, these details, the procedures of it. I, but I do think this movie, what it does show and what I've always really liked about it. And why I think 
it's unique to like a place like Miami is it's international these 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 groups yeah. like they're from all over the world you've got these this Aryan brotherhood working with you know this drug dealer from Latin America and then you've got the Miami cops and then you've got these systems that are all kind of like working to create this illegal industry and then you've got the leak from the FBI and the different you know agencies working together and um it's it's hard to tell exactly what man is interested in that in, in here like is it is it sort of like the way these things kind of collide cuz to me that's kind of what the movie's about like these like everything yeah just kind of running into each other but um but like there's so much there's too much extraneous stuff like if yeah. he sticks with those things like those those worlds colliding and you know the types of scenes that we're talking about you know the the putting all the pieces together the scene when they for the introduction scene with Jose Yero is so good like that's the that's like the types of scenes we saw in collateral like that's the scene in the nightclub with with Barry Henley who's also in this that like that scene and the meeting between De Niro and Pacino that's what that's that's this scene in that movie that introduction with Jose Yero when when Colin Farrell pulls the grenade and you know they said we could all close our eyes we can close everybody's eyes then we're not nobody's gonna make no money like I'm gonna paint a fucking Picasso on the wall like you don't I don't really know nobody really knows what they're talking about but you get the picture yeah they're basic they're trying to figure out if they're gonna make a deal and it's just such an awesome scene the tension is so high like that's the stuff man is good at like pare it down stick to that like I think maybe that's you know heat heat is a you know is epic right but collateral is like very efficient and very small yeah it's like these two guys and Miami Vice got kind of lost between the two like I think it needed some of the efficiency of collateral maybe with the some of the scale of heat but all this extraneous stuff trying to mix too many things in you know Gong Lee's you know Cuban heritage or whatever like all that stuff is just extraneous unnecessary makes the movie drag and kind of makes you just like wait to get back to them on the in the Ferraris and the go fast boats and figuring this stuff out and you know going and sieging on this this trailer park like all that stuff works so well but this movie's bogged down by you know it's just stuff it doesn't need and stuff that is unimportant to the plot and makes like spends too much time making you think about what this has to do with the plot when it actually doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm. And that's the problem with this movie. If I take a step back that that's my problem with it, but I will still turn this on as soon as we're done with this podcast because it's <laughs> such a blast. The, the music is so good. Michael Mann doesn't get enough credit for how well he uses nope. music, specifically instrumental music. Um, but like, you know, the, again, it makes me think about the audio slave song in in Collateral, uh, yeah. Um, and then the the music he uses in this is so good. And like, if if this podcast Chapin does not end with uh, Mogwai, I'm gonna be so pissed. Don't ruin it. <laughs> um, although this is the second best movie to use that song. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Um. When uh, Tyson, oh, sorry, I mean um, our editor Hugh Allen, put that into the movie, uh, <laughs> Hugh Allen, we got permission to do it, but I'm wondering if Tyson forged that permission now, <laughs> because like this was after Miami Vice, wouldn't they be like, you know, yeah, you could use it, but my, but but Michael Mann did it the exact same way, but no one yeah, saw and it, paid but. and paid eight million for yeah. it. <laughs> we were only asking for like fifty grand. We didn't have to pay at all for it. It was amazing. Wow, that's um, good. So, so yes. Um, do you remember when this trailer came out? Oh my god, what a oh, trailer! Yeah. So, again, super cool with the encore num uh, remix, and just you know, it's just such a well edited trailer. But are we okay? Can I ask you this? Are we just dudes liking this movie, or is this actually a good movie? No, we are. We like. We're dudes when we're like, "Oh, this is such a fucking cool movie," but it's cool because of the Jeremy. way man makes this it. That's why we need Jeremy because he is so unbiased. I know, but an objective. It is cool. It is cool because of the way man makes it. The art in it. The the intensity. The camera work. The handheld nature of it. 
the look that we talked about, the camera, like the the digital look. All that is what makes it cool. And Colin Farrell makes it cool. And Jamie Foxx makes it cool. Yeah. Like, it's not that we're just like, I made the joke about how like if we had gone to Miami, like we'd want to behave like this versus like trying to behave like Entourage in LA. I don't actually think that's true. I just think like, you know, Michael, some Michael Bay movies are cool, right? Because yeah, for they, similar things that are cool about Miami Vice, but it's done so much better in 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 Miami Vice. Well, seems, it's such a better yeah. There's a craftsman a intention behind this, and there's it doesn't feel extravagant. Like like Michael, you watch a Michael Bay movie, you could watch Bad Boys or Bad Boys Two, filmed in Miami, which have a, has a lot of similarities to this, and you could be like. You know, it's just it's it's over the top to be over the top. And sometimes you're in the mood for that. But it's not a substantive. I mean, Michael Bay's movies don't have any substance. This is the thing. This is the distinction. This movie is not macho. No, it's not. It's not. You're right. Right. It's not trying to like it's not trying to impress us. It's trying to be authentic. And that is what is cool to me watching this movie. I think, you know, you have two movie stars that and I think they're, I think they're both good in this movie. I think Farrell is much better than Fox in it. He uh, evidently doesn't remember making this movie. I mean, which also works for this character. He's like sweating and like brooding. Yeah, <laughs> like he's. he's a, there's one scene where his shirt is like looks like my shirts most of the time. Yeah, he he. I mean, I would say like yeah, he doesn't look healthy in it, but like he just looks like a vice cop in Miami where it's yeah. fucking super humid. So, I don't know. I I don't think we're just being dudes saying this is a cool movie. I think this is a super cool movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, another thing I would like to talk about that I think lends a lot to this movie is these supporting performances that are there's a they're all really small. Well, most of them I should say are really small, but they're all pretty pivotal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the exception of John Ortiz, who's really good as Jose Yero, and obviously Gong Lee, we talked about a little bit, but Naomi Harris, Justin Theroux. Um, Barry Henley, Dominic Lombardozzi, uh, Eddie Marzan, John Hawks, like all these guys with like relatively small roles, all kind of just like do their job yeah. to borrow a Bill Belichick it, phrase. It's interesting. There's this great shot of them waiting for news on Trudy in the in the hospital, and Justin Thoreau is just like sitting there with his eyes closed, chewing gum. He, it's like, of, of course that, of course, this cop yeah. is like, is like, you know, trying to get as much sleep as he possibly can, like. First of all, I've never seen an actor do so little in a movie and I just like and just stand out as much as he does. I, I was like every every scene I'm like, hey, there's Justin Throw just standing in the background. And it's not in a distracting way. Like it's just like he's one of their guys. He's working with them, he's there. But he has I don't does he have any lines? Yeah, he says he sure. says we could watch uh, Marlin's highlight on the oh, sixty right. inch plasma. In the 60 inch plasma. <laughs> um but like the same goes for like you know, for Dominic Lombardozzi is best known for Dom in Entourage, which, and he's awful or, in Entourage. Or, Entourage. Um, what about, uh, uh, he's in, isn't he in The well, Wire? He's in, he's in The Wire. Like, that's the thing. He's good in everything except Entourage. He's in The Wire. He's really good. He's, you know, he's showed up as a character actor in a bunch of movies. I, I mean, maybe he's not good in The Irishman. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's had a, like, really great career as a character actor, and he's best known as for playing Dom in Entourage. Well, to you he's and me. He's just so bad. <laughs> I think to a lot of people he is, because he's so over the top in that show. Anyway, like, really good performances from all of these actors in very small performances that I just think are important. Like, otherwise, it's just like a, you know... Yeah, Michael Mann's good at these that. These two like... lead actors trying to chew some scenery, but... That never happens. I mean, yeah. It does, but yeah. it doesn't. Well, they be, they become they they become like part of the texture of the movie, you know. So that so that yeah. when you know Justin Thoreau gets shot, you kind of feel for him. Like you don't really know him, but he's there. He's always there, and you know. I love how God, like in any other movie, he gets shot, and like all the stuff he's doing is like central to the frame, right? Yeah. Like you see the wound, you see him tie the 
the tourniquet around it, like all that stuff. Instead, it's just this like he's half in frame. It's over his shoulder. You see him rip a piece of shirt off, but you never get to see what he actually does because Michael Mann's just like, no, if you don't know what he's doing with this piece of shirt, then you're a fucking moron. <laughs> like, but it, it, it's look, it just kind of works. Like, it's not that important what he's doing. Right. So it's okay to see that he's taking care of himself. He's going to survive. We can show that, but we don't need to see for 30 seconds him tying up his leg or whatever. Right. So it's a smart choice. But it's also just like, why did he think of this? Like, is he insulting me? Or is he like, or is he giving me credit? I don't know. But I just think like that's some stuff only Michael Mann does. And I think that's what makes this movie great. And that's where his talent is still on display here. And maybe people weren't giving it enough credit in 2006. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that's true. It does make me, I know, I don't know. I haven't seen Public Enemies in years either. It does make me want to revisit that and just kind of see if... I don't think that's good. Well, it might not be, but I want to see if, like, he's still doing the certain things right, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Because you can say that about a lot of directors, right? Like, they're, the you know, movies change around them, expectations preferences change around them but they're still doing the same things and that just doesn't quite work anymore and i wonder if that's partly what happened with michael Mann. i mean it definitely happened with the money that he needs but i mean a hundred percent a hundred percent that's think. why he's not making movies of course he's so stubborn that he, he just won't make a movie well it's just it's, it's just, just interesting because you know like these i talked about this with fincher you know, he like fine. I I really admire what he did with um, Mank, and you know, found a way to make a movie on a scale that was appropriate for the subject matter. You know, and and um, I, I think that's I, a big difference between Michael Mann and Fincher. Do you think Mann can do it? Do you think he could do that? That's what I mean. I don't think he can. I mean, or, yeah. or, I mean, he made Black Hat for half the price of this movie, so I guess there's that. But um, I mean. The Enzo Ferrari movie has been in pre-production forever. Well, that's not going to happen now. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. But like, let's just say, let's just say that got greenlit by Netflix or something, and he got money. Like, that would that he's he would spend two hundred and fifty million dollars on that movie. I mean, yeah, like, like like if if you if Apple if Apple and Netflix want to give some money away to a filmmaker who's going to spend it, give it to Michael Mann, and he'll like this is just an obvious example of it getting on screen, you know. Like, yeah, it's true. Th- yeah, le- he's like Nolan. Let's just let's let's uh, let's fly the plane for real. So yeah. All right. So what, f- Chapin? Where like, is this a great movie to you? Where <sighs> is this in your? Where do you rank this from Michael Mann's movies? I don't know. I mean, it's up there. Is it? Let me see. One, two, three. I mean, my top three are definitely Heat, The Insider, and Collateral. Like, that's just kind of a no question. Um, it might be five. might be top five. But, again, I haven't seen Thief. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really it's a really good movie. It has some problems that I think are easily overlooked because of how well it's made. Yeah, it's... it's okay, so what I'll, what I'll say is this. I think... I'm trying to figure out how to say this. A lot of times with great, great movies, and I, th- I think Michael Mann uh, is often uh, an example of this, you overlook the flaws in a movie because you love what's good about the movie so much, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case with Miami Vice. I mean, I think partially that's true. But what I think he does here is so innovative and so ballsy that if you can sit there and kind of like, you know, I remember I used to watch movies stoned because I wanted to like have a different experience while I watched them. I don't do that anymore, but, uh, this is one of those movies that I would want to have that experience with. It's like a movie you just want to feel like you don't like, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not, you're not laughing at like QTH and all that. You're not laughing at all the silly jargon and all that. It's a movie that you just like experience. And you look at all yeah. the scenery and you look at all the material and you look at all the people and they, and, and, and it, you, you just want to let it wash over you. And if you can do that, I think this is a movie that needs to be experienced in that sense. 
But it's, See, if you break it down and start thinking about plot and start thinking about performance, you know, start thinking, you know, thinking about the traditional things that, ha- you know, we analyze on this podcast. I don't know that it holds up. Like, I think Collateral is a much better narrative. I think Collateral is a much more interesting definitely. narrative. But is it cooler? Is it filmed cooler? No, I don't think so. Does it have as much going on visually as this movie? No, I don't think so. I think it's got to and, and Collateral's movie, I think, has a tremendous amount of going on with it visually. But yeah. this movie has more. And so from that sense, it's like a piece of avant-garde art. Like, it does. it may not, like... It may not like easily draw you in, but if you're able to like get in that rare headspace where you can experience it the way it's meant to be experienced, then it can be. And I think, you know, it's rare that a blockbuster movie with a blockbuster budget will do that. And I think this is like a one of a kind movie and from that perspective. See, I think the reason that some of the plot stuff frustrates me is because I I like and I really enjoyed the intelligence of this movie and all the lingo and kind of follow and I had the subtitles on and I you know following all these steps very closely and like knowing where they were going and why I and I thought that stuff was all really cool and it is a very intelligent movie right like it's for an intelligent audience if you want to follow the story as well and so I get frustrated with the fact that the plot goes a little haywire and there's all this extraneous stuff and unresolved plot points because if that had been tightened up and you still had all that intelligent, authentic language and behaviors, plus the way that this movie looks and is made in the experience, like you have a generation, generationally good movie. You have one of Michael Mann's maybe top three, you know, maybe this is better than collateral. If you tighten up that plot because so much is good about it and not just the photography and the filmmaking in general, but I like, I really liked how these characters interacted and how it wasn't dumbed down for me and how that, how their conversations were probably true to life. Yeah. I think that stuff's all really cool. The fact that it's just like all those conversations true to life kind of go a little off path and can't find their way back in an efficient way is just too big of a problem for the movie as a whole. Sure. What I will say is I do think the romance is quite important to this movie. And I think you would probably cut it out if you could. And I think... I don't know that I'd cut it out. I just think that it's too much time is maybe spent on it or the time spent on it is not done as well as it could have been. Like, I get it. You spend all that time in Cuba with them. That's the only way in this kind of fast-paced movie you're going to believe that Colin Farrell falls for her. Right. You, you need those minutes. So I don't have a I don't have an op I don't have an idea about like okay how do you do that otherwise but I don't know you you other movies have done it more efficiently and more believably and maybe it's the chemistry between the two that you know I just wasn't buying whole could have been a whole number of different things but it's not just that it's just you know I think the fact that they never resolve the the leak like their mission going undercover changes like three different times like settle on something all those little well, things they started to add up they figure it out but they never do anything about it but they it's not it's not the, it's not guys. their job to to figure it out it's that they are giving it to the fbi to figure it out <clears throat> i guess so <laughs> can defend everything about this movie except the plot Chapin. sure okay fair <laughs> enough all right, should we move on to our old, our old, another old favorite of ours, uh, a, a, man, a man who is skewed from his. <clears throat> yep, I haven't seen old yet. Haven't had the opportunity. Chapin, you and I famously spent our fifteen dollars at the time at the each, ArcLight each. to go see the happening, um, which we loved. Loved it. F- fantastic film. Um, what do you think of old? I want to see it. I've, it looks good. It's not getting great reviews, but as you said, no, you know, I had not reviewed it yet. So I, I heard a podcast that I trust uh, who really, really liked it, and they convinced me to go see it, which I hope we do to people sometimes. Hopefully, people will want to see Miami Vice after this. <laughs> um, but no, it it wasn't good. It was not as bad as the happening. Um, well, a few movies are. Or Lady in the Water. Um, it had some interesting ideas, but it was it was pretty silly. It was pretty silly. And I got to be honest, like, I know everybody got tired of Shyamalan because he was, like, really pretentious, but I like pretentious Shyamalan. Like, those three movies in particular, uh, Signs, 
Unbreakable and uh, The Sixth Sense. Like, I just think they're incredibly well made. I love that they are pretentious and kind of classical. Um, and it's obvious that Shyamalan has sort of had a cult, you know, career reawakening and, 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 you know, he got a little too big for his britches maybe with lady in the water and then switched gears with the happening. And he's been kind of chasing a new career since then. And I think old is kind of a fusion of those two, those two things. Like it's, it's sort of silly and camp a little bit, but it's got some of his like, you know, really well thought out filmmaking techniques. Um, and the plot is quite interesting. It's got a great concept. Like yeah. it's, the, it's got a great hook. Yeah, and it and it wasn't I wasn't it it wasn't like entirely unmoving either. But Yeah, I feel like a little bit of a wasted potential here with this one. Yeah. It's got a great cast too. Yeah. Um with a lot of a lot of actors we like. Um Yeah, now I can't remember her name from Phantom Thread. Yeah. And Gail Garcia Bernal and Thomas and McKenzie we really like. And then, you know, the horror movie staple that Vicky, also I Vicky Creeps. Vicky Creeps, yeah. The yeah. horror movie staple that's in um, uh, Hereditary. Right. Um, got such a, I'm always so well prepared for these podcasts, you know, knowing actors' names. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest, like, even despite your review like i still kind of want to see it like i don't know what it is about Shyamalan's movies that i just find so intriguing like you kind of know what you're going to get alex wolf is the other actor i'm talking about um but like you just kind of want to see what happens like what he you know you know where his movie goes like what's the reason for the the hook for no other like just curiosity gets the best of you with his movies and i think that's a credit to what he's done in the past but you know i haven't seen lady in the water i haven't seen the village so it's obviously not a tremendous hook anymore but i did see the happening was nothing else playing no you and i knew it was bad and we just decided to go see it we knew it was bad oh I guess that's true. We were, I mean, we had so much money to spend when we were in LA. Yeah. No good parties that night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Vince was off with some chick. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, look like his career is fascinating. It'd be interesting to do a retrospective on him, but yeah, look like I, uh, I'd be interested to see what you, what you think of it. You know, I think I'd like to see it. I, you know, I, um, the camera work is really unique. I don't know if I like it actually or not, but it's very unique. Theater showings are already thinning out. I was oh, I was thinking about God. going to see it this week, but it was like it had two showings at AMC, so that's never a good sign. Um, so it's probably going to be an on demand, on demand movie. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just another another new release from 2021 that's been kind of disappointing like i said um the green knight was was fantastic that should be on the top of you guys's list but for all the movies basically two years worth of movies that we're getting this year there hasn't been a lot to get excited about um and we still got honestly probably until october before we really start to see a logjam of great movies that we're going to have to get out and see. Hmm. Um, Cause October we have Dune, no time to die. The last duel last night in Soho antlers um, eternals. If we're interested, comes out November 5th. Then in November we've got top gun. We've got King Richard mission. Imp- oh, that's next year. Um, uh, House of Gucci West side story. <laughs> yeah. So, Is West side story ever going to come out? <laughs> it's actually December 10th is the date I've got interesting and then december 23rd supposedly is soggy bottom yeah which we haven't even talked about the fact that paul thomas anderson potentially has a movie coming out this year definitely so that's exciting very exciting with with bradley cooper as the star right yep yeah i mean a uh hall uh 
Los Angeles period piece. So back to his boogie night days. Yeah, back to the roots. So super excited about that, obviously. So there's plenty coming up, um, but we're just kind of tramping through the olds and the... I mean, Pig was good, but, you know, I don't know that that's anything that's going to be there at the end of the year. Um, Forever Purge and F9 and Quiet Place Part 2. All right. So, we took it to the limit one more time. We Smooth. Did. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Okay. Any other quotes we want to throw out before we uh, before we call it? No, I don't think so. Actually, there is one other thing I wanted to ask you about my advice. The, the very, very end, the last shot. Yeah. What do you, like, I love that. He's, like, Colin Farrell's just walking into the back of a hospital. Yeah. And it just ends. It just ends. I love that shot and that idea. Like, we don't have to see anymore. No, he's returning to, his loyalty is with these people. Yeah, which I just think is great. Like, I love how that ends. I like that you see Naomi Harris wake up. And, but you know, there's no like, you know, conversation between them. Jamie Foxx just calls the nurse in. Like we get an idea that like maybe she'll be okay, and then Colin Farrell goes back, and and the movie ends. Like, yeah. Because it's this is like movies. While it takes place over a long, you know, a period of time, it's like a day in the life sort of. Sure. Like, this this these guys get on with the next job. So anyway, just making sure that you really liked that. I did. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Let us know what you think of Miami Vice feedback get your film fix podcast.com um, I would say you could check us out on Instagram like we have an account right but we don't really post on there much anymore well yeah people didn't interact so you don't you lose your privileges of seeing posts yeah right that's how that works I think so that's okay. how you that's how you build a brand yeah <laughs> take it away and they'll want it more exactly all right thank you everybody for listening Thank you.